ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Welcome back once again to another edition of the Best Seat in the House podcast. As always, I'm your host, Rob Kramer, joined by my co-host, Daniel Bobo Curlin. And how you doing today, buddy? Uh, doing doing well today. He's a little bit upset after the outcome of that Rangers game. Might have nearly destroyed a remote again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't blame you, man. That, um, you know what? Uh you bring it up right off the bat. Let's just jump right into it, man. Uh, what a just uh, starting off with that game because the game before that uh, was uh, just as brutal of a loss. Well, actually, no, I take that back. It wasn't just as brutal of a loss. Last night's Ranger Islander game for the people who are watching this on Thursday when this episode comes out, we're talking about Tuesday night's game uh, at Madison Square Garden, Rangers Islanders. Rangers held a 3-1 lead heading into the final period and just insanely blew it in ridiculous fashion where uh, they start off the third period with a, a goal 14 seconds in. Later on, they'd go on to tie it on a shot that it's probably w- the one shot at least that Shesterkin really should have stopped yesterday. Uh, the, the tying goal would have been nice to... See so you make that stop. And then um the the fourth go-ahead goal, uh, which put the Islanders ahead 4-3 in the final five minutes of the game, was absolutely ridiculous that that even happened. Which look, we're not looking for excuses here because the Rangers deserve to be criticized for the for their play, but let's be honest. Capo Caco got high sticked. And completely took him out of the play. So the Islanders end up getting the odd man advantage down there in the offensive zone and put the puck in. That was a ridiculous non-call. What did you think of that? Yeah, I thought the same thing. Might have been might have been maybe a couple of me uh a, a drunk maybe a drunk me yelling out these refs suck for a little bit, but it was not it was not it was not pleasant at all seeing that sight. I mean I was I was maybe that that ref was on the Scheiser list. Let's put it this way. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then not to mention, this is the same game where earlier the Rangers uh, had a, a, a power play and they they took a power play goal off the board for the Rangers. Luckily, they'd go back and, and would score on that same power play. But they took a, a very it the goal. It looked good to me. It. I just think the reason why they didn't overturn it is because the referees, you know, mi- you know, blew it pretty much, and uh, they they blew the whistle too early. And you saw the puck. I've never seen a situation where the puck squirts under the the goalie's legs, and it was over. The, you saw white in between, like it was clear as day, and then they just wiped that off the board. They completely blow the hook the, the uh not the hook the um high stick in the third period and 
Next thing you know, the Rangers don't even get a point out of a game where they go into a third period at home against the Islanders and lose four to three. Igor Shesterkin falls to one seven and one lifetime against the Islanders. Uh, you know, what do you think of that stat, Dan? Because I, I think what a lot of people forget too is that a lot of those losses came from the end of the COVID shortened season where the, the Rangers were, out of it and not even fielding a full hockey team. The the Islanders were on their march to their second consecutive Eastern Conference Finals appearance, and the Rangers were nowhere near the team they are now. So I, I think that's a little uh, skewed statistic there. What do you think? Yeah, it's probably uh, it's probably best to, best to say that that's a skewed statistic also. But yeah, I was upset at that game. I was once again proving... Why I advise to anyone watching this, if you have a daughter, don't let her date a referee. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a hell of a line, man, because, um, it, you know, the referees came back to bite the Rangers in the ass last night. But let's not make it all about the referees. Sure. There were some blown calls. Sure. They could have made it a little bit easier on the Rangers if they actually called a proper game and maybe at least at least would have went to overtime. But let's not take the Rangers off the hook here because yet again, for the second straight game in a row, you know, let's not forget over the weekend, they blew a three, one lead two. Um, and they ended up, you know, actually, no, I'm sorry. It was, it was a two, nothing lead. They blew, they, they, they had a two goal lead in that game. They had a two goal lead in this game. They get one point The they, the Rangers, uh, I don't even know what to say. Things just are not looking good right now. They put a lot of faith in their young guys, and Vitaly Kravstov just can't stay on the ice. <laughs> Coming into last night's game, the guy had appeared in three or four games this season and had only played a combined 25 minutes. He had been injured very quickly in all these games, so you know it was nice to see him come out of the game last night unscathed. You know, we're seeing a lot of... Um, uh, Jones this year, where you know the uh, defensemen, we're seeing a lot of uh, Libor Hayek. Um, you know, what are you thinking of uh, of of this Rangers team? It feels like it's missing a lot of the punch that it had last year. Yeah, it just it's just team just doesn't feel that like that same. I remember like last year, just it's like it's a little bit early, but it just doesn't feel. At the same way that I felt like last year, at this point last year, and I just hope this isn't another one of those like, I guess are we going to be counting the days till baseball season starts? <laughs> I I think the Rangers are going to figure it out. I think they're going to get the they're going to write the ship. I think uh you know I have faith in Gerard Gallant as a head coach. Um, I like the fact that he's not panicking right now, but it's just a really bad look. You know, when you look at the team, obviously, a lot of people are going to point to the fact that Frank Vitrano is not here. He's in Anaheim. You know, Andrew Kopp left. He's in Detroit, where the Rangers play tomorrow night, by the way, um, and was the team that they blew that 2 nothing lead and lost to an overtime over the weekend. Um you know, so they they they're missing Vitrano. 
they're missing Cobb. They're missing a lot of these guys. They they lost Strome. But when when I look at that, I'm saying to myself, okay, well, Cop and Vetrano didn't show up until after the the uh trade deadline anyway. So they only played 20 plus games or so as a Ranger last year, right around there. So the first 60 games of the year, the Rangers were playing great without them. They were still finding ways to win. Um, if you ask me, I'm a big fan of Ryan Strom. I loved that trade when they brought him over here. I loved everything Ryan Strom brought to this team as that second line center. And, and you know, um, one of the uh, big pieces on their power play. But I consider Vincent Trocek an upgrade to him. Don't Don't you? Yep, I do. So I do. I consider that an upgrade. And so, I mean, yeah, yeah, continue. Back what we expected in the end, hopefully. Yeah, I, I yeah, you, you're 100% right. But that's why it, it's not making much sense to me where, you know, you upgrade Vinny Trocek from uh, Ryan Strom. That, that should be a positive on the team, you know? You bring in a couple more young guys like a uh, Kravstov, who you hope you could get something out of, and a Jones on uh, defense that that you know you hope he can establish himself here. Maybe Libor Hayek, you know, the former uh, top prospect who they they got in the McDonough deal a couple of years ago. Maybe he shows a little promise here and there. Um, but they're just not. It's it's just it's a very very strange circumstance, and the funny thing is, is that last year, all the statistics were going against the Rangers. Everything. I mean, they were being hammered on shots on goal. They were being you know absolutely destroyed with uh, faceoffs and and uh, time of of attack, and the only thing they really had going for them was their power play. You know, from for most of last year, where. Chris Kreider really just became a one-man wrecking crew, and that top power play line was incredible. But it just it doesn't make sense to me because when you look at all the stats this year now, after everything I just said about last year, it's the complete opposite, where the Rangers' shots on goal are great. They're generating a lot of chances and a lot of shots on goal and a lot of high-quality scoring opportunities. You know, that they're also going out there and maintaining possession of the puck, winning faceoffs doing that kind of stuff and the crazy thing is that this year it's just not translating to wins what do you think it is dan right now do you think it's just bad luck one of those things where the rangers are just playing pretty good hockey but just running into a string of bad luck and it's going to even out in the end or do you think that this team needs more do you think galant needs to give them a kick in the ass and maybe shake these lines up or something like that I think it's just a little bit of both that maybe they need to do that. And I think also eventually it's going to lead to success if they keep at it. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree, man. It's a, it's, it's pretty crazy what we've seen so far, Um, you know, but the, the Rangers just have to figure out a way to, just get get themselves back on track. And the, the crazy thing is, too, is that their power play is a little bit more middle of the pack this year, too. So that's something they're going to have to figure out. You know, it, it really seemed like last week um, 
you know, right after that, that Kreider overtime goal that put the Rangers on top, you know, this, this Rangers season has been a, a season of streaks so far. You know, they started off pretty good the first couple of games of the year where they were looking like they were, they were on a mission and they went on a three or four game losing streak and just weren't playing good hockey. And then they, they set themselves straight. They got a, themselves on a three or four game winning streak. And it looked like, oh, okay, good. Gallant pushed all the right buttons and things are happening again. Well, now after these two losses again, you know, guys like me and you are pressing the panic button. So, you know, before we move on from the Rangers and uh, and the hockey here, Dan, are you pressing the panic button on uh, on this Rangers season right now? Or are you, after what we saw from them last year, are you ready to just sit back and let them work it out and you have confidence that it's going to all work out in the end? I feel like it's my finger is kind of hovering around that panic button, but not quite yet, but it's hovering around that panic button. I mean, fair enough, you know, it's uh, especially I could sit here and rationalize if the Rangers had lost, you know, a tough game with the Sorokin in net for them for, you know, for the Islanders yesterday. And let's say the Rangers lost two one and, you know, they were getting a lot of shots on goal, but it just didn't work out in the end. I I could live with that. But blowing a three one lead in that fashion last night. Yeah, that uh, that that really worries me. Because that's something that we didn't really see this team do last year. You know, it was almost like what we've seen out of the Islanders the last two nights was the Islanders coming back from two goals down against uh, Calgary on Monday and winning that game in overtime, and then coming back and you know beating the Rangers in regulation two goals down in the third period again the next night. You know, the Rangers should have had the fresher legs. The Rangers had the better goalie uh, because uh, obviously. The first night against Calgary, Sorokin played. Last night, the Rangers played Varlamov. So, I, you know, everything was going the Rangers' way, and they just they just couldn't pull it off. So, you know, we just got to hope that uh, Gerard Gallant, who looks like he's uh, he's taking the confident approach, uh, you know, is is doing the right thing. And I and I think eventually it'll all work out. So, let's just keep the faith and hope they go out and get two points against Detroit tomorrow night. Right. Yep, that's all we can hope for. I'll be I'll be there in my living room, watch watch there my 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 beer, my dinner in hand, and uh, hopefully, <laughs> exactly, exactly, man. It's actually funny too, because uh, I I I thought you were gonna say that you're gonna be watching the game tomorrow with uh Mr. Malunigan, and um, it's funny that on. I was watching Shuli's show the other night and uh, there was somebody, they, they were live on YouTube. So they were getting a lot of uh, super chats and stuff from, from people on YouTube. And one of the people's names was Mr. Malunigan <laughs> and, and Shuli didn't know how to say it. And Bob Levy corrected him and, and said, Oh, that's Bobo's dog. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny too. <laughs> oh my God. I'm actually gonna have to look at that show again to see that. <laughs> I'd yeah. get... yeah, of course, of course. After I eat my dinner, Mister Mal gonna sit sit on the couch because he probably won't sit next to me when I'm eating because he'll try to eat the food. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about that. 
I, I remember I remember a little funny memory once of the the late Rosie Shea back when Rosie was still alive. I had I had bought some pizza, right? And I left it for a second and they just ate the whole thing like it was nothing. <laughs> I had to answer. I had to answer. It was a phone call that I had to take at that time. I couldn't hold off on that phone call. It was, it was one of those situations where I had to take the call. But then, luckily, and what happened was I walked back to the pizza place, and I asked if they could maybe wave off the charge on that pizza because freaking my I said my dog freaking stole my dinner, and <laughs> that the pizza guys at the pizza place were cracking up, and they said, "Oh, don't worry about it." Well. This one's on us. We understand that. I got. I got to I, I know how to get a dog. Like they. 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 They, they were. The, the guy worked. The guy at the counter. He was a dog person, so he knew exactly what. But. <laughs> that 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 they they did that once. Or how about the one time that. I had I had to freaking go, go to the bathroom and, I told my. My mother, not whatever you do, make sure don't go go through that table. Next thing you know, my my dinner was stolen. The second time, we didn't get anything because, like, my dogs stole my dinner. They really didn't get any bite out of my dinner. Oh my god! Hey, you can't trust those dogs, man. They'll they'll take those food in a second. If that day, when if. My, if Rosie hadn't had stole my dinner that time, I gotta, I, I gotta had that nice roast beef with those vegetables that I had, <laughs> and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm stuck eating my soup. soup. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, you know, uh, we got the uh, dog talk out of the way. We got some hockey talk out of the way. So let's jump right into the shirt that you're wearing right now my friend as our new york metropolitans uh i was gonna say made a couple of moves but to be honest they've only made one move so far and i like it a lot they re-signed edwin diaz to a major league record for relief pitcher five-year 102 million dollar contract breaking the contract that the uh the yankees gave to araldus chapman which was five years and uh 86 million um, so he shatters that record by $16 million. Uh, great move by the Mets, in my opinion, man. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a great move. Hopefully one bigger, big up to a bigger one, because I'm sure, I'm sure we're pretty much, we're not going to let the Grom slip through our fingers that easily, because we're probably, probably going to sign him, but you know that's going to take a little while, because it's it's going it, to... Because it, it uh, a picture of that statue, stature, it's gonna take a while to hammer out that deal. So I'm expecting that one. The other one, I don't know if it was a big move. Uh, Vogelbaum, the way that he was playing this year, just felt more like he was more off the bench than anything. Like said, so, like we needed to get like a real hitter at the at DH. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you. I think uh, you so know I, obviously the. Obviously, the big move is uh is is Diaz, but I I like the Vogelback move. You know, it's the thing is too with, with Vogelback, you have to keep in mind. Let's just keep our fingers crossed that he's not the top DH option 
for us next year. Like we we can't, in my opinion, we cannot go into the season with the Mets trying to sell us. Oh, Daniel Vogelbach is going to be our our DH option next year. He's gonna he's gonna be our DH guy. That can't happen, in my opinion. That's a Wilpon move. You know, oh, he's only a million and a half. You know, they don't got to pay him that much. It's a pretty cheap, team friendly option. Uh, he he's a depth guy, in in my opinion. He's the type of guy where um, he he could have a great couple of weeks. Um, he he could be a really great piece off the bench. If if you know if the Mets have a, a stacked bench next year, maybe even starting down to AAA, and if a spot opens up, then he comes up. But in and I like Daniel Vogelback. I I like the vibe he brought to the clubhouse last year. I think he's a nice piece. I I like the fact that he's got a great eye and everything. He draws a lot of walks, but um, I'm not going to sit here and try to shoehorn him in the lineup every day, especially when the guy can't hit lefties at all. So I want a full time DH, but I'm I'm happy that they brought Vogel back back. I I think it 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 was a decent move at, at that price, right? Yeah, especially. I also feel like next year could play a factor. Who's someone who could play a factor? It could be a could be Francisco Alvarez. He'll be. He'll literally get. He really didn't get much at bats when he was called up. He didn't. He was on the bench a lot when he got called. I feel this time, if he he'll end up in the big leagues, he'll probably get more at bats, especially during spring training. I expect to elevate his game. Yeah, no doubt about it. And Alvarez is definitely going to be on the team next year, or at least expected to make it. If he goes out there and has a shitty spring training or, you know, starts off really bad next year, maybe things can change. But uh, yeah, absolutely. He has to be um, on the Mets next year, or at least they expect him to. Um, And then who else knows what's going to happen? Free agency starts um, for real on Thursday, which is, you know, today, if you're, if you're watching this, it's tomorrow for me and Dan right now. Um, and there's going to be a lot of different pieces flying around. Obviously, like you said, t- top priority is Jacob deGrom. Who knows how long that's going to take? Um, I hope it's not that long because it's every day he's a free agent. It's just going <laughs> to take a piece of Met fan's soul. Uh, we, we just need to see that get settled and see Jake back in orange and blue team him back up with Scherzer because in, in my opinion too, if, if you lose Jake, it well, that was the whole point in bringing Scherzer here. You know, not that you're not going to be happy to still have Scherzer there as a good backup option, but that was the whole point. You brought Scherzer here to team him with DeGrom. So you had those two power throwing, possibly at least possibly on DeGrom's part, definitely for Scherzer future hall of famers. Um, to be the top of this rotation. So it really, really is just of paramount importance that the Mets bring Jacob DeGrom back, right? Yep, exactly. I mean, this is just, I feel, well, I'm, I'm too young to remember this, but I know plenty of Mets fans who remember this, and I all hear about it, how the tragedy of 1977, when the Mets traded Tom Seaver, I'm sure Steve Cohen, he's from the area. He was alive back then. He remembers what it was like. I'm sure he does not want to have a repeat of that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know what? 
I've heard a lot of people draw those comparisons and it makes a lot of sense. But I heard people also say, oh, well, you know, Met fans got over, um, you know, them letting go of Seaver and and all this. And they still came back. People said they're never going to come back again. Let, let's just sit here and think about this, you know, realistically. Right. In 1977, M. Donald Grant was running the Mets and he didn't know what the heck he was doing. The Payson family still owned the team. They didn't have a lot of money. They there wasn't a lot of money to be spent. It was almost like the Wilpon days where the Wilp, you know, you always knew you were on a shoestring budget. That was the same thing the Mets were in in 77. They were trying to lowball Tom Seaver and get him for as low a price as they possibly could. And if they didn't get him to agree to the price, they were going to trade him. And that's what happened, unfortunately, for the Mets and every Met fan alive back then. But today it's a completely different scenario. The Mets have the richest owner in baseball. If Jacob deGrom doesn't come back, it's pretty much because he doesn't want to. You know, I really don't think that the Mets are going to lowball deGrom. I don't think they're going to try to get a hometown discount. I don't think they're going to, you know, not put their best foot forward. I think this is going to be a full court press on Jacob deGrom. And if the Mets don't seal the deal, it's because he doesn't want to be here. And that is going to be devastating. No matter what you say, no matter what I say, too, it it's going to reflect poorly on the Mets, Steve Cohen, and the fan base. And um, it just is going to be it's it's going to be terrible if he chooses to leave. Um I I can't even imagine it. How about you? No, I can't even imagine it. I've been seeing a lot of reports saying that the ground wants to come back. A few players have been saying it, so just my whole inkling gives me that feeling that if they if they go go about it with the right offer, he's coming back, and we could literally release the balloons, at least partial partially release the balloons because full on because because I'm I'm gonna save the full on balloon re- balloon release for when the big one happens. <laughs> exactly exactly you got that right man and um hey i gotta say unlike a certain city a little 99 miles away most likely here in new york it'll be it'll be loud it'll it'll, it'll be a lot of noise but your car will be in one piece <laughs> very true very true. And you know what? S- since he brought that up, let's touch on that too. Uh, the Houston Astros end up beating the um, Philadelphia Phillies in the World Series. They seal their second world championship in the last six seasons. Um, they win it in six games, which is what me and you both said would happen. So that's pretty cool. Um, you know, what do you think about that, Dan? Do you, uh, do you, you know, obviously we were both rooting for for Houston, um, what did you think of the series? Well, for one thing, I kind of, I do kind of wonder though how many people probably paid when they're paid off the the Phillies that don't want to we don't want to deal with the stress. Just throw the World Series, take this money. You'll get you'll get all the money. We don't want to deal with the stress if she guys win it. We got to deal with in our city, but <laughs> for, for real, Houston earned it. 
all these people who call the Astros cheaters, you got to. Re I said this before a few weeks ago. You have to remember this is not the same team in 2017. There is only. Well, last when I looked up, I believe it's like only four players from that team are on that team. Also, rules were changed, were put in place to pre that prevented these, uh, whatever they were doing to cheat. Uh, also, the manager of the Houston Astros is a different manager than the, who, man who was managing the team back then. Dusty Baker. Not the same manager we they they were under back then. The stuff is different, so big, big difference here. This one is, it, I'm pretty sure, a number of Astros fans. I'm sure there was probably at least one. If someone, if someone could confirm this, who may have saw this at the stadium. I'm pretty sure someone was holding a sign that said "No cheating, no problem." <laughs> I yeah, I think you're right, and and you know what? I, I don't want to hear about that cheating anymore. It's mostly coming from Yankee fans and people just hate the Astros. I I agree with you. They they put all of that to bed. You know, okay, they they couldn't get it done last year, and they choked against the uh, the Nationals in 2019, but they got the job done this year. They won the World Series, and congratulations to Houston. I'm I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of hearing, especially Yankee fans, complain not endlessly about um you know the the Astros cheating. Which, by the way, go back to the 2015 Yankees, all right, and see Carlos Beltran on that Yankee team. You know he was pulling the same shit. In 2015, they were doing maybe it wasn't as egregious, maybe it wasn't as noticeable, but Beltran brought that to to Houston. He didn't just start doing that in Houston. So there, there there's been cheating over the last few years. Different teams have used these, you know, all these different tools now in different ways. The Astros got caught, they got their wrist slapped, and that was it. Let's be let's be done and over with it, right? Yeah, exactly. Also, congratulations to the demander of the Astros, Dusty Baker. He he has really earned it. The guy has been managing for quite a long time, and he's come cl close with teams he's managed to winning to winning it for so long. He's come very close. He finally got it done. Very true. Very true. Congratulations, Dusty. He's been so close over the last few years, and uh, he he finally got it done. Uh, very cool, very cool job for uh, for Dusty. He uh he he earned it, you know. He he stuck around in the game, and I wasn't sure if this was going to be his last year or not. Very cool to see that Dusty's coming back for twenty three as well to try and defend that um that championship. And uh, actually, before we wrap up on the baseball here, um, I did want to say uh. Very cool that, uh, you know, we were, we're talking about Dusty Baker, who's one of the three AL Manager of the Year um, candidates right now, one of the three finalists. And our own Buck Showalter is uh, for the National League right now, too. That's a that's pretty good vindication there for Buck, right? 
Yep, I'm pretty sure. As far as they see, he deserves to win this. I mean, he turned around a team that had gone through years of uh, not winning it. He turned around a team that didn't make the playoffs last year. And uh, they made it. Yeah. He, 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 I feel like he just brought this winning swagger to the team that we did not see last year. It didn't. I mean, the season didn't, of course, didn't end as we thought it would. But fortunately, a little bit earlier, that first round exit. But that team just looked like it had a winning swagger that I, I didn't see. We didn't see it all in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I definitely agree. Twenty four win increase for Buck going up against Snicker, the defending world champion, and uh, uh, you know Roberts from the Dodgers who has won like eight consecutive or nine consecutive division titles. So uh, I think it should go to Buck too. I think it should be a slam dunk because the other two, it's not really a surprise. Their teams were good. All right. And now that we uh, got the uh, baseball and the hockey and all that fun out of the way, the world series and everything uh, let's finish up with some football here right now. And uh, you know, we'll talk about my jets who got a awesome, awesome win against the bills in a second, but you know, I did want to ask you one thing about the Giants before we covered that, because the Giants ha- had a bye week this week. They're getting ready for their uh, game on uh, Sunday now, um, and they had a very um, big injury take place as um, Xavier McKinney, one of their safeties, was on an ATV and fell off. And I don't know if he broke his hand or severely injured his hand, and he's at least going to miss the next four weeks. And they said there's even a possibility he could miss these last seven games. So there's a possibility because of a dumb bye week injury. One of your top young safeties is going to miss the rest of the year. Devastating injury for the giants, man. What did you think when you heard that? I said, Oh my God, not again. It's bad enough we had this situation with Plaxico Burris a couple of years ago. You you have no idea how furious I was when Plaxico Burris shot himself in the foot. Plaxico just shot her whole season in the foot. And it just looked like that the rest of the season we weren't the same team. Our offense was not the same after that. And it's like, what the <laughs> stupid... Really need to do something that's stupid like that, like driving an ATV during the during the season of all times. Couldn't you just do this shit during the off season? You had to do this now. Just when I thought, oh, nothing could happen this crazy like that during the off season. Yeah, I forget that sometimes some players in the NFL have done some stupid shit, and he just and someone did some stupid shit, and. <laughs> what happened it i may i literally had to stop myself from throwing my phone when i saw that news on my alerts pop up yeah i don't blame you man i i was shocked when i saw that i can't believe that it's even allowed that even on a bye week because you know who knows what the injuries could be people have died on those atvs in the past i i can't believe that an nfl player during the season was even allowed to be on an ATV, much less do it during a bye week. Um, 
very, very shocking to me. Yes, that's definitely a big injury uh, for the G-Men. And it's fun to see how you're feeling about that because that's a, that's a tough one. Luckily, though, the Giants are a pretty um, you know, well-coached team, and they should be able to uh, to make up for it. And believe me, I've seen how I've seen like in front of me what could happen if it if you know you. I went. Friend of mine invited me to go like ATV driving somewhere upstate New York. I I followed everything I was supposed to, but one of the people in our group he uh, he had a little bit of a tumble. <laughs> it's all very easy. Yeah, it's it's very easy, man. I was just on one of those over the summer, and you know I'm a pretty big dude, and those things throw you around like nothing. So you're definitely right. It's easy to get hurt on those. Yeah, I said. I think he's, I think mostly he had yeah the, the the person in our group mostly had a minor injury, but yeah, those things like one little not if you're not careful, it could be messed up. All right, let's put it this way. Yeah, that's what things are. Those things can be fun until somebody gets hurt. <laughs> you know, the, the the same thing I usually say about motorcycles sometimes. They're a lot of fun until someone gets hurt. <laughs> Very true. Very true, man. So, yeah, the, the, the Giants had that tough, uh, you know, news coming out of there. But on the other side of MetLife, there was some good news this weekend, man. After coming off, um, you know, a really, really tough loss to the uh, New England Patriots at home. Me and you discussed it last week where obviously you could tell I was very upset with how that came out complete turnaround this week man as the jets went out and beat potentially one of the best teams in football in the buffalo bills the jets beat them 20 to 17 they came back they were down 14 to 3 um everything was going for you know just went the jets way this week i think the defense played great which by the way i think the jets have the i mean it might not be the best defense in football but i can't think of a team right now that has a better secondary and a better, you know, front four, front, you know, whatever you want to say, pass rush, anything than the Jets right now. They are on a different level. Uh, Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed are just incredible shutting guys down. You know, S- Sauce allowed that one big play early to, um, to Diggs for about 50 yards early on, shut him down after that. Wasn't even a factor for the most part. Uh, and the Jets just climbed back. They ended up taking that 17-14 lead, scoring two straight touchdowns, 14 straight points. You know, Buffalo ended up making it even in the end, 17-17, but then the Jets just got it and ran the ball. That last drive, Dan, they ran the ball eight straight times to start it, just milked that clock, you know, with, with no Brees Hall, too. Their, their top young rookie, no Brees Hall. He's uh they controlled the clock. Uh James Robinson, the guy who they traded for from the Jaguars, really played his role well, found a couple of holes and looked pretty good. Michael Carter, the the running back, not the defensive back, Michael Carter, the Jets have. <laughs> the uh the running back, Michael Carter, was great. And then even Denzel Mims went out and caught the big third down catch to keep the drive going. Just a really, really fun uh victory for the Jets there. Dan, what did you think about them beating the Bills? Well, during I had 
I may have had a little multiple screen action on Sunday because there's so much going on in the, on Sunday, especially the, especially Sunday, of course, also. The, of course, also I, had, I also had NASCAR on the TV. I had, I was looking at several games via laptop, via the cable company's app. I'm in, a, I'm in on my tablet, and I looked at that Jets game, and I said, man, upset special right here. I mean, I don't know. I, I got. I didn't get a chance to look at Monday show, so I don't know what 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 a, what what Gino, who who he placed bets on, because I know Mister Mister Sports Betting King. But if he placed, hopefully he if he places bets right, he he might have won for a pretty penny. <laughs> no doubt about it, man. And you know when you looked at the the Jets, um, you know. At, at all the sports books and everything, depending where you looked, they had the Jets down either 12 or 13 points for the most part. So when, when I saw that, I knew that was a pretty good bet that the Jets weren't going to get blown out like that. I figured that the Jets would keep it close. So, you know, I definitely would have put money on the Jets to cover, but I did not think for a second that they were going to beat them. And it was just so awesome to see the Jets win win that game and they're only a half game out of first place right now. So I, uh, I really can't complain with my jets. I, I am thrilled and uh, Hey, hats off to Robert Sala uh, hats off to Zach Wilson for, for, you know, he had that one strip sack against Von Miller and look, v- Von Miller is an all time great. So I can't kill Zach for coughing it up there. You know, Zach really hasn't been, um, you know, he's not one of those guys that fumbles the ball a lot. He really protects it most of the time. His his bad thing could be the interceptions, which luckily he didn't throw any. And I got to say, too, he got sacked on the play uh, where the Jets ended up right before they kicked the field goal. And he was awesome the way he protected that ball as he was going down. So I just want to give Zach credit there. Give credit to the Jets. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm pumped, man. Six and three. Uh, you know, the Giants are six and two now coming off the bye, and uh, we are gonna have a real fun last seven or eight weeks here, right, man? Yep, I have, I have a feeling it's gonna be a lot of fun on seven or eight weeks. Another thing, a little, another little note about a last Sunday's game when I noticed I saw something you would probably rarely see in November. I mean. I know I mean I know some people who I know some Jet fans that went to the game. They it had to be a bit unusual to realize that people wearing short sleeve shirts in the Meadowlands in November. Not something you would usually expect wearing short sleeve shirts Meadowlands in November. That's a good point, man. Very good point. And unfortunately it looks like that'll probably be the last time. That happens this year, at least, because uh, it looks like that weather is starting to change on us right now as we're getting a little bit of that colder action coming in. But definitely really, really uh, interesting, at least seeing uh, people in short sleeves in the Meadowlands, because usually that's reserved for September games and maybe preseason in in August. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But now now it's a little bit back to normal, as a matter of fact. Might be the time of year you want to get the but go and bought make sure you have enough bags of ice belt salt. <laughs> uh, you got that right, man. 
And uh, as a matter of fact, actually, I think that's just about going to do it for us this week uh, to right around our uh, usual time this week. But still, I think, Dan, uh, we're going to do the, the short one tonight, but I'm feeling a uh, bonus episode over the weekend. How are you feeling about that? I like that idea. Also, if you haven't watched it yet, of course, if you got the Patreon, you probably got access to it right now. The early access people. But I was on the Chip Chipperson show and the Patreon people. You could see it right now. And all of you on uh, the the rest of you, my appearance, my but I'm sure you saw my appearance on a Chip Chipperson podcast last week. It was I great. did very, very funny, very funny. But you're going to you'll get to see it on a on Sunday. And it was a lot. It was a very fun appearance. I thought it was a very fun appearance. I really enjoyed being on being on the show with the with the Zach Amico, great guy. Lot, lots of credit to him and helping making possible that. You remember that time I was in a, I was in one uh, that was in a trauma film. You remember hearing about it, right? I I recall. I do. Zach Amico is one of the people you have to give a lot of credit for getting me, giving me the chance to be an extra in that movie. There's three people you have to really give a lot of credit to. Him, of course, the Lloyd Crawford and Troma, and of course, you got to give credit to Stevie Lou also. Those three, I feel, really were really nice enough to to make that possible, and that had some memory I'll take with me for life. Getting to know what that was like being that that movie that not just I mean, I mean, and that, and which a movie that was overall just a lot of fun watching, not just because I was in it, but it was just an overall fun fun watch. But it was also a lot of fun getting to see getting to see getting to see a little little peek of what it's like making one of those things and very uh true very true man and of course also you can follow me on a on twitter bobo set bobo 103 nyc and instagram bobo 718 dk and also daniel curlin on youtube and there's gonna be some little content based on some little stuff i may have uh you know, some little stuff that I said, I said maybe as a little character version of myself on the Chip Chipperson show that may have inspired some little sketches that I'm going to be filming in the future. So be on the lookout for those. Very cool, man. So make sure to keep an eye out for everything that Dan's going on. Follow him and subscribe online. Uh, also, if you want, you can follow me on Twitter at my last name, Kramer and why uh, you can follow the show on twitter as well at bsith underscore podcast and don't forget to check us out on instagram as well at best seat in the house podcast so thank you once again everybody for tuning in and joining us this week uh as always i'm your i'm your host rob kramer with my co-host daniel bobo curlin and this is the best seat in the house podcast we'll catch you next week everybody <laughs>